From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition, as anticipated, Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer is moving forward with the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. Very soon, the Senate can add to our accomplishments when we vote to proceed on the Respect for Marriage Act. For information of all senators, we'll hold our first procedural vote on this bill tomorrow. And after that, I hope both sides can work quickly together to move this bill through the Senate and onto the president's desk. That was Senator Schumer earlier today on the Senate floor. Now, the measure would take the Supreme Court's redefinition of marriage and put it into federal law, something that the Congress never did when it came to Roe v. Wade. Question is, does it matter? Wait, it doesn't if you don't care about religious freedom and the indoctrination of your children. We're going to talk about it later when I'm joined by the Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council, Travis Weber. And uh, good news, wholesale prices came in this month at just above 8% over a year ago, according to data released today by the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Now, what does that tell us about the current economic policies of the Biden administration when we celebrate 8% inflation? We're going to look at the numbers and what they mean for you and your family with Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee, in just a moment. And here's a bit of video irony. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. (laughs) That is why we put them in dormitories and they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. Uh, Yes, that was Vice President Kamala Harris back in 2014. Now, I'm not sure I would call them stupid, but they are certainly gullible. They turned out to vote for the Democrats in the midterm election, motivated by President Biden saying he was going to erase their student loan debt and he was going to make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Well, on Friday, he admitted he doesn't have the ability to make Roe the law And now the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals pushed the pause button on the Biden administration's plan to give away money. So the Democrats got their votes and those 18 to 24 year olds, what'd they get? A lesson in politics. And just when you thought the indoctrination could not get any worse, Maryland's wealthiest school district once again revealed their deficit of values with their new LGBTQ book list for, get this, pre-K to fifth grade. Now, pre-K teachers have also been given resource guides provided by the Homosexual Advocacy Organization Human Rights Campaign that will help teachers define terms for toddlers. FRC's Meg Kilgannon is here with more. And House Republicans had their first ballot on their prospective leadership races today for the next Congress, the 118th Congress. However, While it does appear that the Republicans will take control as they are now just one seat shy of the 218 needed, why are we one week out from the election and still waiting the outcome? Now, if third world countries can have elections and know the results within 24 hours, why does it take us days, if not weeks? J. Christian Adams, president and general counsel of Public Interest Legal, is here with answers. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. Tonight, we will have a special Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast as we focus 
both on the, the yet-to-be-decided election outcome and the effort to place the Supreme Court's redefinition of marriage into federal law. So join us tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Our word for today is found in Hosea chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 6. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priest for me, because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. Now here is God's charge against them. No truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God. Now look at the consequences for rejecting the word of God. There was no mercy for the vulnerable and the defenseless. Can there be justice and mercy, which so many today are clamoring for, without truth? You see, mercy and justice are not sustainable without truth, and there is no truth apart from God. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, the Federal Reserve released economic uh, numbers this morning, uh, which indicate the consumer price index at a uh, 7.7% gain this year through October. Uh, that is down from the 8.2% inflation many economists predicted, but still painful as the holidays approach. You know, with rising prices on the menu this uh, Thanksgiving, can anything be done to provide relief to the average working family? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Congressman Kevin Brady. He's the ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Brady, welcome, welcome back to the program. Good to see you, Tony. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're celebrating the fact that the inflation numbers weren't as high as they have been, just slightly over 8 percent, the wholesale uh, price index. So what does this tell us? It, are we seeing the kind of the arrest of inflation? Do we expect it to decline from here? What do we know? Yeah, so there are many experts don't, that believe that uh, prices won't really peak till sometime next summer. You know, we've had uh, two months where the inflation for our local businesses have uh, moderated or come down just slightly. But as you noted, 8% inflation is about four times higher than any country ought to be tolerating. So it is, it is still very cruel. And if you want to know, as a family, you know, what you'll be paying in the future, look at what businesses are paying for their products uh, and sources right now. Ultimately, that ends up uh, on your pocketbook. So uh, inflation is very persistent. It's very high. And I noticed, too, for the second month in a row, uh, prices on goods rose. Uh, far beyond expectations, which tells you, you know, that's not good news for the holiday, for the Christmas season, for the holiday season for uh, consumers and families. You're right. The, the, and plus the cost of energy jumped 2.7 uh, percent in October and the cost of goods moved up 0.6 percent. That's, uh, you know, the things that people need. It was the services uh, that declined, which kind of brought the number down a bit. Um when you look at this past election one week ago, the top issue for voters was the economy, inflation. In fact, uh, almost 75 percent of voters, three quarters of voters said that America is headed in the wrong direction. A large part of that based upon inflation and the economy. But yet we uh, we, we see in many cases people voting to put 
Democrats back in control, although it looks like the Republicans will have control of the House. Will they be able to do anything to stem the spending? You know, the short answer is yes, I believe we can. Uh, I'm pleased to see us get this majority. I think it'll continue to grow. My guess is it will be close to the same majority size as Nancy Pelosi's and and Democrats have, have had for the past two years. It's what we do with it that matters here. And so, look, I think Republicans first, American voters have created a check and balance against Joe Biden's very socialist extreme agenda. That's important. Uh, Secondly, we have a chance to the power of the purse to both attack policies and try to rein in the regulation executive orders. I think that's really important. And thirdly, look, um, we have about a year before the Iowa caucuses um, kick in and the presidential race really swamps everything. So House Republicans really need to take, uh, be very focused, disciplined, uh, and driven in this uh, next year, in 2023, to lay out why the Republican ideas are better for working families, for safer neighborhoods, for a more secure border, for more privacy. Uh, and, and you do that through a limited government. Uh, well, Congressman Brady, you're going to be retiring. Uh, you did not run for re-election, and so you're retiring. And, I, and I, I, we're going to miss you here at Washington Watch. We'd love to have you on the program. Uh, so you can speak to this, I think, objectively. As you mentioned, the majority is going to be about the same as Nancy Pelosi had, maybe maybe slightly less. Um, what's your recommendation for the Republican leadership going forward? What do they need to do? You know, I think um, focus on what matters to families. They have such a cruel economy right now. They're dipping into savings. They are uh, skipping meals. Uh, they are most many of them are delaying their retirement. Uh, They can't buy homes anymore. It's just not affordable. Uh, Their take on their future is very bleak right now, and it's because of Joe Biden. So I think our pro-growth policies that can reduce inflation, we ought to focus on how we help those working families. Secondly, look, if you're not safe in your home and safe in your neighborhood, safe in your country, um, you you don't have a quality of life. And I think whether it's the border security issues, uh, crime, frankly, issues, more investment, not less in local police is going to be very important. I do think we've had two, really two years, where Democrats have refused, really have kept what government is doing in the dark. So Republicans need to pull back the curtain, let the public see what's happening, whether it's this greatest theft of American tax dollars in unemployment fraud, or why they can't even get their tax return, you know, sent back to them. Uh, they'd like to know, you know, what is happening on the border and um, a number of those issues. So I think holding Washington accountable in a way that that helps families and workers back home, I think is going to be very, very important. I think that's some good advice. And I, in terms of the crime, it'd be good if they start right here on the streets of D.C. It's getting pretty dangerous no. out there these days. Yeah. I want to switch topics. We've got about a minute and a half left. Federal judge in Texas. Uh, has struck down the president's student loan bailout. We've got the Eighth Circuit uh, pushing the Paul's button as well. I mean, this was on shaky ground from the beginning constitutionally. Could this have been the plan all along to coax the uh, that age group, 18 to 24-year-olds, to vote for the president, knowing he was going to, knowing that the thing probably wouldn't hold up? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it could well have been a bait and switch. Look, um, President Obama and then President Biden just a year ago had argued he doesn't have the 
constitutional authority, the executive authority to do this. He switched it, I think, fully knowing full well that this would not be held up, uh, upheld in the courts. So he can offer the candy uh, to students uh, and uh, those with uh, college debt, uh, knowing that it'll be the courts uh, that will strike it down. But in the meantime, I think he believes he got political benefit from it. But Tony, I'm, I'm just telling you, I think so many Americans felt this was unfair to them to have to pay out other student loans when they either paid theirs or didn't have them to begin with. So I, I'll be curious to see as we take a look post-mortem at the whole election, really how much of a benefit that might have been. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Uh, but I do think those 18 to 24-year-olds who took the bait got a lesson in politics. No doubt. I think you're right. Kevin Brady, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to see you, Tony. Take care. All right. Kevin Brady, congressman from Texas, as I mentioned, he's going to be retiring. Going to miss him. As a ranking member on the Ways and Means Committee, he's always been a great, uh, great guy to go to to help us understand the numbers. Okay, a vote is scheduled for tomorrow on the Senate bill to take the court's redefinition of marriage and put it into law. Why does it matter? Well, we're going to talk about it next, but let me give you this number right now because we need you to be involved in this lame duck session. So if you want to help us and we need your help, text the word duck. D-U-C-K to 67742, and you'll get an action link. That's duck to 67742. You'll get a link so that you can be a part of preserving our republic and our freedoms. i tell you what, they are at risk. All right, stick around. Travis Weber joins me next to talk more about the bill. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. All right, we need your assistance as we're now in this lame duck session of Congress, and I'm, I, I've, been, I've been warning for weeks now that there was going to be a major threat to religious freedom, and there is. Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer filed cloture on the so-called Respect for Marriage Act yesterday, and a vote will take place potentially tomorrow. Here- People want us to get things done, and... Uh, it, I'm optimistic, based on what I know and what our two lead senators know, that we will get the votes to get this done. And it'll be it'll say to that Supreme Court, just like we want to say to them, get your hands off women's bodies. We want to say, figuratively, of course, uh, we want to say to them, let people marry who they love, period. Uh, figuratively, of course, yeah. Um, well, that was Chuck Schumer uh, last night on MSNBC. All right, the measure as I said earlier, would take the court's redefinition of marriage, okay? Now, we still are in a minority of countries that have redefined marriage, and most have, that have redefined it did not have the courts do it. But the court redid, redefined marriage, you know, 5,000 years of human history. And this is in spite of the fact that um, almost, I think, over, a little over two dozen states actually passed amendments to their state constitutions. Now, this will put it into federal law. Again, this is something Congress did not do with Roe v. Wade. And some might say, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. If you don't care about religious freedom, if you don't care about the indoctrination of your children, it doesn't matter. If you do care about those things, it matters immensely. Here to discuss this with us is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you. All right. So this bill, they're, they're just kind of saying, well, it's just status quo. Um, it's just going to, you know, do what the court already did. But it goes much further than that. It does. Um, Tony, as we've been discussing, the, the bill, by adding a private right of action, by solidifying a national public policy in favor of same-sex marriage, will supercharge the attacks and the marginalization, the oppression of people of faith who dissent from what this bill is saying. Uh, it'll it'll it's going to incentivize all sorts of religious liberty problems that will impact them. And this is to say nothing of the the marginalization of parents speaking up against the effects of sexualization of children in schools, 
we've got two major areas here that people are not looking at, and it's getting sad to see that the, these areas are going to be impacted by this bill. Well, you talk about parents' education. In the seven years since Obergefell, that's where we've seen this acceleration of this whole sexual ideology that I just mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about in just a moment with Meg Kilgannon, where you've got pre-K having book reading list about transgenderism, you know, all of these different terms that, quite frankly, most people didn't know. In fact, probably a lot of people still don't know. This is insanity, but it's being fueled. What's going to happen here, if this bill is signed into law, is that that gives the the left, the, the, the those that are pushing this agenda, the ability to bludgeon anyone who stands in the way. You absolutely would have that, you know. And so there, there, we've heard claims about how religious freedom is fixed. And I'm, I'm looking at the bill right here, Tony. It does not fix religious freedom problems. It, it, it says that the solemnization and celebration of marriages in the context of religious organization shall be protected. Well, we're talking about everything else but that right. when it comes to religious freedom. Yes. So it, it doesn't fix religious so freedom. So, folks, when you call your senators or email them in the switchboard to the Capitol, and by the way, I know that they're hearing because we're getting that word. So please, if you've already called, call again, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Or you can text the word DUCK to 67742, and you can join this lame duck Effort will have uh, a link will be given to you, and you can email your senators again the word duck d u c k to six seven seven four two. Now they are saying they fixed the religious freedom issue, as Travis just mentioned, but only that they won't force institutions to do same-sex weddings. They're not going to protect the worker who doesn't want to be forced to celebrate Gay Pride Month. Is not going to protect the parent who says, I do not want my children indoctrinated with this abominable information. And, and in fact, this will be a green light that will accelerate the persecution that we've seen in the last seven years. Yeah, Tony, it will. You know, I think many may be saying, why are you guys talking about this? The court decided this. Our nation is marching towards a cliff, and this is an indication that we're going to speed up. And, and we're not going to be hyperventilating about this, but we need to be so we are soberly warning people. This is a dangerous moment. And I think the Senate needs to understand that they need to hear from people. We need to understand that we need to, we need to pray the folly is exposed, yeah. brought out. You know, you hear the senators talking about this in news conferences. The folly of what is underneath this needs to be exposed. This is, this is an issue of biblical truth. Yeah. And, and this is at its very core. You know, the institution of marriage was created by God in the Garden of Eden. It's the only thing that the that Adam and Eve left the garden with, besides the wool suits that God made for them, was marriage. And now this is this is five thousand years of human history. And not to say that there hasn't been homosexuality before, but it's never been normalized and celebrated and forced upon a society. We can't call marriage something that's not, and that's what we've been doing, right. and we're we're being blind to it. That's a dangerous spot to be. And 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 the left is out in full force. Faithful America, which is a George Soros-funded group, sending out uh, an alert today. Uh, you know, telling people. They, they need to contact their senators. In fact, they say the day after the election, Tony Perkins sent an email to supporters of his hate group, the Family Research Council, renaming the Disrespect for Marriage Act, calling it one of the most dangerous and egregious bills ever introduced into Congress. And you know what? I stand by those words. Yep. It is. We're, the- we're just, Tony, we're just pointing out the truth. And 
People need to understand we're, we're calling attention. This is a tragedy. We're brokenhearted about we see the, the nation going. It's they're going to mock. They're going to mock our, us calling yeah. attention to this. But we're break. Our hearts are breaking for the people harmed by this. And we're marching into and further the children harm. that will be misled. Yeah. And their lives destroyed this as a result. Ruined. Years of consequences as a result of teaching them these ideologies right. that our nation is about to cement here. And, and by the way, their, their, their tagline on their Faithful America, the verse Genesis 1, 27. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. They left off we, male and we female. We need to say amen to them quoting the Bible there. Oh, yeah, but they left <laughs> off the remainder of the verse male and yeah. female because yeah. they can't define what a woman is. Mm-hmm. Folks, contact your senators. You may have already done so. Do it again. Look, we need your help on this. Travis, thanks so much for joining us. All right, Meg Kilgannon is here next as we look at the practical implications of the redefinition of marriage and what it means for your children. Don't go away. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, Students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. All right, if you noted a little bit of uh, alarm in my voice, it is because I am alarmed by where Chuck Schumer wants to take the Senate and the fact that we have Republicans, and I've I've been talking with some of the Republican senators today, last night, today, uh, uncertain if they have the 10 Republican senators that they need to move forward. All right. So that's still in question. But I do know that your calls and uh, your emails have been getting through. So please continue. Uh, We we need to really keep the pressure on in the next 24 hours. Again, the switchboard 202-224-3121 or text the word DUCK 
to 67742, and then we'll keep you informed throughout the entire lame duck session. All right, so let me ask you this. How old were you when you first heard the term intersex or drag queen or cisgender or gender binary or pansexual? Maybe some of you still haven't heard of those words. Well, if you're in pre-kindergarten here in uh, Maryland or in the D.C. area of Maryland, uh, you're going to hear about it. In fact, you're going to be indoctrinated with it. Here to talk about this is Family Research Council Senior Fellow for Education Studies, Meg Kilgannon. Megan, Meg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, so this is the wealthiest school district in Maryland, Montgomery County, and they're always doing crazy stuff. They are. They are. So t- tell us about what they're doing now. Well, this uh, appears to be an effort at diversity, equity, and inclusive education that's particularly devoted to including LGBTQ topics for the very young student in Montgomery County Public Schools. So we're talking preschool through about fifth grade. And it seems that these are books that are included in diversity classroom libraries, which means it wouldn't be up to the student to go to the library and select one of these books off the shelf. These would be read by the teacher or available on bookshelves in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, how many four-year-olds go to the school library and pull out a book? I mean, they they don't. Right. So they, uh, in the classroom, and by the way, I don't think four-year-olds should be in public schools. In fact, I don't think any kid should be in public school given this kind of stuff. So they sit on the carpet. I remember this. I mean, I can remember back where, you know, the teacher says, come over. She sits in a rocking chair. All the kids sit on the rug around the bookshelf that's in there with the the books. And she reads and shows the pictures. Right. That's what we're talking about here. It's the favorite part of most kids' school day. In fact, every child loves being read to. So what's the purpose of these books? So these books are designed to to embed an, an ideology into the... Uh, the story, you know, and in, in this particular case, this is a sexual uh, agenda why, that's being embedded into the story. Why do four-year-olds need to know about sexuality? Well, I think that the the sales job they're giving is all children need to see themselves reflected in the material, and their loved experiences need to be a part of the curriculum. And so instead of having uh, books that are aspirational or, uh, you know, I think I had the Aesop's Fables. You remember those? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I remember you a actually lesson. Bill Bennett's uh, book about virtues. Sure. I read that to my kids when sure. they were little. Right. The, the story the of, of the of, of the, the, the chicken um, or the, the, the grasshopper and the ants, right? And right. Who, who's getting the work done and right. who's going to get to eat as a result, right? Those are the kinds of things that we, we learned about. Um, and built literacy, and these these books are designed to create a narrative that that drives a, an ideology. Well, it's also part of, of their um, identity politics, even at the youngest of age. Right. I mean, books like Prince in the Night about a prince who wants to that's K N I G H T who wants to marry a knight right. instead of a princess. Um, there's you know for for. Uh, kids five and six years old, there's Uncle Bobby's Wedding, which is about a wedding between two men. Uh, there's the book for pre-kindergarten, Pride Puppy, which teaches terms like intersex, drag queen, uh, drag king. Um, right. 
I, I went on, I try not to talk about books that I haven't actually read or seen, and, and we don't have copies of these at FRC, but I was able to go on the wonderful internet and on YouTube, you can you can search these titles, and there'll be a teacher on YouTube who can read them to you tonight if you would like. So I I heard these stories read to me uh, the same way that a teacher would read them to a child, and um, the it, it's um, it's an insidious project, right? They they're they're seeking to uh, normalize something that is is not normal well, and is unbiblical. They, they come with canned responses to parents who raise issues with them. By the way, the, the Human Rights Campaign, which is a pro-homosexual group, uh, is providing the guide, re, the, the study guides that go along with right. these books. So that should tell you something right there. But here's one of the canned responses. If a parent asks whether they can keep their child home during the LGBTQ plus readings, the faculty are advised to explain that no effort will be made to persuade a child from holding certain beliefs. Do you really buy that? Um, I don't, because they're making an effort to persuade your child to hold certain beliefs by by proclaiming that th- they are standard, that and, this is just how things are. And drive and, a wedge between parent and child. Right. Because if your parent holds a view different than that, they're, they're a bigot. Right, right. And, and folks, this is, I mean, this is going to accelerate if the Senate codifies and takes the court's redefinition of marriage and puts it into federal law. Now, we're going to have to fight it. Even if they do, we're not going to be quiet. I'm just telling you, though, you're going to see a lot more of this. Meg Kilgannon, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right. All right, folks, stick around. Why is it taking a week or more to get election results. I mean, third world countries can turn around in 24 hours, but here we are, the most advanced technological country, and we can't even get election results within a week? We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. 
with just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text S-T-A-N-D to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, we need you to weigh in when it comes to the so-called Respect for Marriage Act that the Senate will be voting on tomorrow in this lame duck session of Congress. They had to pull it back before because of the concerns for religious freedom, uh, the implications. So they've uh, created this fig leaf of uh, protection for religious freedom, which is it's, it's fraudulent. Uh, it's, it's deceptive. It's, it's a flat-out lie. So your two senators need to hear from you. Um, We had targeted to like 10 states before, but you just need to contact your senators. You can call them at 202-224-3121. I mean, tell them just to to take care of business and go home um, in this lame duck session. This is going to be a very dangerous session of Congress. Or you can text the word DUCK, D-U-C-K, to 67742 and uh, we'll send you links, and uh, that will keep you informed throughout this lame duck session of Congress. I've said this uh, previously, but Election Day has turned into Election Month, as some counties in California are still counting votes. In fact, as I was just looking uh, through this, uh, through the election results, there are a couple of congressional districts in California where we're just getting about 53% of the vote has been reported. I mean, we're a week after the election. Now, how can the most technologically advanced country in the world not count its votes in a timely fashion? I mean, you, you've got most countries get it done within a 24-hour period. This, I mean, especially in light of the fact that people question the election results, and the longer it takes, the more opportunity there is for manipulation, you would think that they would want to do this, do these elections in a timely fashion, which would make them beyond reproach. I think it's something we need to be talking about. Joining me now to discuss this is Jay Christian Adams, president and general counsel of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. He formerly served in the Department of Justice during the George W. Bush administration. Uh, Jay Christian, welcome to Washington Watch once again. Thanks for having me, Tony. Okay. 
I'm going to start with a very simple question. Uh, we had the results from Florida within hours. Um, Texas, very similar. Other jurisdictions have needed more than a week to count votes. How can this happen? Very simple answer. Mail ballots. The states that have the problems are the ones that shifted to mail balloting in 2020 and have really amplified the process uh, in 2022. Arizona, Nevada's completely automatic mail ballot, California's mail ballot, uh, New Jersey's mail ballot, there's uh, Oregon mail ballot. I could go on and on. And the states we don't know the results from are the ones that use mail ballots. It's that simple. So prior to the election, we had the president and, uh, and, and the Democrats out saying, look, it's going to take us a while to, uh, to get election results, so don't get upset about it. And, and if anybody that you're going to support is an election denier, don't vote for them. That needs to be the litmus test, is that they'll accept the outcome. Look, I'm not one that is given to conspiracies and all that kind of stuff, so I'm not going to go there. But I am going to say that this just doesn't add up. Now, it goes back, I think, to about 2016 when California changed their laws. But still, isn't there a way to create a system if you're going to allow mail-in balloting that you can count these in a timely fashion so we can get results? And it doesn't raise questions about whether or not the outcome's been manipulated? No, I, I, I got to tell you, the whole—yeah, the one thing you could do, which a lot of people are against— is start to tabulate the mail ballots before Election Day. Now, some people are highly against that. The bad news is, I'm afraid, this is here to stay. Uh, people like mail voting. As a matter of fact, everywhere that it was on the ballot, and it was in a lot of states, it was expanded. Uh, states approved things like more drop boxes, more early voting. Uh, they voted against voter ID in voter referendums. So I think we really need to, I'm not happy about it, but we need to get used to it. Don't forget, Tony, the first state to really adopt uh, early mail voting was a Republican state of Wyoming, passed the House unanimously in 2011, passed the Wyoming Senate, I think it was 34 to nothing, to have 45 days of early voting with mail ballots. Um, Florida went to it after the 2000 election to take some pressure off Election Day. In 2004, it debuted. So there's some history here, uh, but it hasn't been nationwide. And I think in the states that moved to it, particularly Nevada and Arizona and California, uh, you can see the downside of having a mail election, and that is it takes forever to get a result. All right, let me go back to what you just said. That, and, and I agree with this, but I, I want to know who's opposed to the idea of tabulating these first, so that. You don't have, after everything else is counted, all of a sudden you have this deluge of mail-in ballots that are counted. That's what raises suspicion, because I've seen it happen in the past where you get a ballot dump and it, it, it changes the outcome of the election. Yeah, Republicans have been opposed to it because the uh, Democrats have so focused on mail balloting and getting their vote out in the mail the Republicans have opposed early tabulation because it would show landslides for Democrats uh, early on and discourage the same the election day voting of Republicans. So it's largely been opposed by Republicans. Well, I mean, you could, but you could have them where they're they're tabulated but not released, so that as soon as the polls close, you get those numbers from the mail-in ballots, and they're not waited till after the fact. Because, you know, I'm not saying this has happened, but I, I do know there's been some 
allegations, and I, I actually think there have been some cases of fraud where, you know, you need a few extra ballots and they're, they're kind of thrown in there. And I think it just, it, it, look, there's a lot of fraud uh, in, in so many aspects of modern life. We ought to try to make this as fraud-proof as possible. And I'm even more worried about disenfranchisement with mail balloting than I am fraud, because the post office has a goal, a stated goal of a 94% success rate on delivering political mail on time. That's 6% failure. Is that an acceptable disenfranchisement rate in an election? The post office loses mail. Right. I don't want to see people lose well, their right to vote because of the mail. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, I agree with that. But if people choose to do that... Um, you know, I, I've, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stick my my ballot in the mail. I'm going to I'm going to vote early, uh, or I'm going to to vote, but I'm going to vote in person. Um, but I still think there ought to be a way to corral these votes so that they are not being tabulated after all the other votes are counted, and again open to manipulation and questioning the integrity of our elections. Because I'm and I know this is your concern because you folk you you do such a great job on this. But if our system is undermined, it's going to have an impact on people voting. And I want people to vote. I don't want them to feel like their vote's not going to count. And so we have to have the most you know, fair, effective system possible. You're exactly right. I mean, I think that's what happened in part in the 2020 Georgia runoff is, you know, for a variety of reasons we don't need to detail here, people thought – oh, my vote's not going to count, so I'm not going to participate in this runoff. And look what happened. We got a, a Senate that, um, you know, had us on the edge of the cliff for the republic. And uh, let's not do it again. And when you have an election with so many lost ballots, so many ballots that get sent to the wrong place through the mail, so many delayed results, people start to question the outcome. Now, I am not for a one-size-fits-all federal prescription here, okay? We're, we're actually opposed to that when you look at H.R. 1, which was a federal takeover of our election system. So we have to realize that we have 50 states, and they're all responsible for their own election systems within certain parameters. So, you know, California, super Democratic majority out there, they do crazy stuff. Um, what can we do? What are the common sense guardrails that we can put in place to preserve election integrity? Well, look, for mail balloting, Georgia had the answer. You use a unique identifier on your ballot. You fill it out. So it's like voter ID for the mail. That's the best thing to do with that. On the issue of time, I mean, the Public Interest Legal Foundation brought a lawsuit in Virginia, which we won, that prohibited Virginia from accepting ballots late that didn't have a postmark. Uh, we we had Delaware mail balloting struck down entirely in a lawsuit that, that the Public Interest Legal Foundation brought and won about three weeks ago. So we canceled out all mail balloting in Delaware uh, in that case because of the Delaware Constitution prohibits it. So step one is to, to strike when you can. You can't strike everywhere. You can't strike aimlessly, but strike when you can. The second thing I'm looking at, Tony, is the federal statutes that generally require the election to be done on election day, right. not four days after election day. And I'm looking at potentially some litigation there to tie, try to get states to comply with that mandate. Be a vast improvement uh, so that, you know, next, at least by the next, I mean, I can remember, you know, you would know the results election night. Um, and if, if it was odd, if you had to wait to the next morning to get the the election results, but now it's almost since 2000 in the 
Gore-Bush race, it's almost become, I don't know, it's almost like we've been desensitized to the fact that we used to know elections right away. Now we're, you know, we're waiting days, if not weeks. Desensitized might be the right word. This past election, I turned in at about 8.30 because I said, what they're saying now is not going to be what they're saying in the morning. So I just went to bed and I thought nothing's going to, you know, be finalized. And sure enough, I woke up and, you know, the world had turned. Uh, And so I I think that maybe uh, all that prep that you heard from the president and other uh, vote by mail activists, which always are funded by the left, like the Vote at Home Foundation, uh, they they were warning us, you know, don't be afraid of the scary monster that doesn't give you results for two weeks. Uh, But, you know, that's that's the world we're in because of the mail balloting system. But we can't accept it. I just don't don't think we should accept it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we should accept late results. There has to be a way, whether it's early tabulation, you know, the Republicans are just going to have to ease up on their fear that the data will become used to suppress their turnout uh, and, and find a way to make it happen because we shouldn't have to wait for two weeks. Yeah, I agree. Now, let me ask you another question, Jay Christian Adams, about uh, ballot harvesting. We're seeing that kind of move to jurisdictions around the country. Yeah, and like I said, there was a uh, ballot harvesting wasn't on the ballot, but in in places like Michigan and, and Arizona, there was ballot drop boxes on the ballot, and the voters approved it overwhelmingly in those states. So apparently, people like it. Uh, it's you know the culture has moved on this, and I, look, I, I the number one way you manipulate a ballot is in somebody's kitchen. I I litigated a case called United States versus Brown when I was at the Justice Department where people were getting voted in their kitchens by people like Patsy Roby. You can read the opinion. And, uh, and it, it, it's just a way of, of, you know, and by the way, it was voluntary. The voter wanted them to do it. So so it wasn't like they were stealing a vote. They were just filling out the ballot. And, and the voter on the stand said, because the harvester knows who to vote for better than me. That was literally testimony in federal court. So um, you know, the way the way to solve that problem is not an easy one because it's a cultural one. And, you know, better than anyone, when there's a cultural problem, the solutions are not so easy to come by. True. But in those jurisdictions where we're seeing this uh, ballot harvesting made legal, like California, uh, certainly kind of the uh, the prime example, you know, we don't like it, but I think we've got to use it and uh, legally within the confines and not doing anything uh, illegal. But I, I think we need to use, if the left wants these laws in place, I think we ought to use them. Well, let me give you a perfect example of that, and that's curing, curing. This rise of vote by mail led to a curing effort in 2020 where the left engaged in curing, which means you get a list of the defective mail ballots. You know that before the election because the, the election officials have segregated the ones that aren't filled out correctly. Well, that starts a chase. And the Democrats have gotten very good at organizing curing efforts where they figure out who has a defective ballot. They contact that person. They take them to the polls. I would submit they might even be able to buy them something because it's not for a vote. It's to fix a vote. It's it's different than actually to vote because they've already voted. And they go and they get that person to fix their ballot and they know they've got a Democrat. Is there a Republican counterpart to this? What do you think? Of course not. They're like five years behind. And so there's not an effective curing operation on the Republican side in response to this rise of mail balloting. Well, uh, Jay Christian, I want to thank you for joining us today. But I think and I know you're again, you're the expert. You're on top of this. But just from my vantage point, I think conservatives, Republicans, 
uh, have a lot of work to do in the next two years to get prepared for the 2024 election. You are absolutely correct. All right. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you. You do great work. Thank you, sir. All right, folks. Um, you know, I'm going to say it again. You know, we're uh, one thing we took away from this election is we're a very narrowly divided country. And every election, every uh, vote in every election matters because someone's worldview is going to dominate and it's going to shape our policies. And so each one of us as as followers of Christ, as Christians, and I'm speaking to Christians, if you don't, if, if you're not a follower of Christ, you probably don't agree with me. But we need to be involved. We need to be salt and we need to be light. And that means we need to be voting. Now, I don't care if the outcome's not what we want or there are issues with it, we still must vote. Because if we don't do our part, we all suffer. So I encourage you, be informed and be involved and help us in this lame duck session of Congress. Text the word DUCK to 67742. And uh, you can also contact your senators by phone, switchboard in the Senate, 202-224-3121. I'll have updates tomorrow for you. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.